Okay, welcome to High Cheese. Today is Friday, December 9th, 2022. And let's go right to the most important thing that happened this week. Herschel Walker lost. And there's no one to blame other than the legacy Republicans. And I'm not calling them rhinos anymore. Let's just call them legacy Republicans. These are the old hat Republicans, the country club Republicans, and the lobbying and consulting class that refuse to give up the ghost. And the top of the list is McConnell. And remember what he did to Herschel Walker during this whole election season. He disparaged him. He called him an inferior candidate. He pulled back on funding. And then during the runoff, he, he made this big to-do that, oh, yes, we're going to hire Brian Kemp's organization to pull out the vote. And I, as I said in my prediction for the last episode about this, is that, yeah, Kemp could help if he actually works. So if you remember, Mitch McConnell said, oh, we're going to hire Kemp's organization. We're going to, I'm going to pay for it. Mitch McConnell's PAC is going to pay for it. And we're going to get the vote out for Herschel Walker. We're going to get the, the legacy Republican vote out for Herschel Walker. Well, it didn't happen. Walker got less votes in the runoff than he did in the national, uh, the general election. So it's essentially Brian Kemp took the money and ran. Not only that, they alienated MAGA. Marjorie Taylor uh, Greene complained that the Walker campaign stiff-armored. They wanted nothing to do with her. They kept their distance from her. Greene's the popular congresswoman from Georgia. And the Kemp group that took over the campaign stiff-armed her. Now, I'm not saying that Brian Kemp has no future as a Republican. But this is what they did. And that's the reality. And the reality is he may be a Senate candidate in four years. And he may win because he's, he's got a good operation for himself. And that's the problem with Republicans today, the, the legacy Republicans. They're not extending themselves for anyone else other than themselves. Unlike the Democrats, they go all out no matter who wins in the primary. But the legacy Republicans are not like that because they don't care. It's all about them maintaining their status. And that's what we have. And with that said, I want to play a clip. And here's a perfect example of a legacy Republican. It's Mitch Romney. And I'm going to play a clip. It's from, and I think it's from yesterday. And he's being interviewed at a Washington Post forum. And let's go to this clip. And then we'll come back to discuss. Well, because of the Democrats. They, they, wait, they, you know, they did what they were supposed to do. They came out and voted for their candidate. But the legacy Republicans and their money, they stayed home. So let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Absolutely. I mean, I think we got, I don't know, 12 people or more that would like to be president that are thinking of running uh, in 2024. Um, if President Trump continues in his campaign, I'm not sure they can. any one of them can make it through and, and beat him. Um, you know, I think he's got such a strong base of, I don't know, 30 or 40 percent of the Republican voters or maybe more. It, it's going to be hard to, to knock him off as our nominee. If he became a nominee, I think he loses again. And um, Would you support him if he's the nominee? Absolutely not. There you have it. And Romney's typical of 
many of the legacy Republicans. Oh, you know, let me just give you a reminder. You know, there's so much hatred in Romney for Trump, as well as the other legacy Republicans, for whatever reason. Romney lost. He's not president. Romney started a company, Bain Capital, that essentially raided other companies, put them out of business, put a lot of people out of work, and made a ton of money for him and his company. And when asked about the ethics of what he did in his career, you know what his answer is? This is supposedly a a devout Mormon. Well, if it wasn't me, somebody else would have done it. Yeah, that's really ethical. That's very Mormon-like. But I digress. And this is the problem with the legacy Republicans. Oh, I don't my guy don't win. I'm taking my ball home. I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to support the winner of the primary because he's related to Trump. Or she's related to Trump. And that's what they've done. So we really have no need for these people anymore in the Republican Party. Because it's not about winning elections, about maintaining their own personal power. And they have to get beyond that. Now, the Democrats have taken it to an extreme. You know, they they elected a stroke victim in Pennsylvania simply because it had the Democratic moniker. Well, these legacy Republicans have taken it to the other extreme. If I don't get my guy, I'm staying home. You're not getting my money. You're not getting any of my support. So we have to make sure these guys move on. Now, here's the thing they don't realize is that, yeah, you know what? Trump wins. Romney's not going to support him. But here's the thing people do not understand about Trump. Trump has a, a wonderful ability to bring new people in to the party. So whatever we lose with the Romney types, we're gaining with new Latino voters, new African-American men, suburban women. So we'll see. We'll see about that. And the, the other thing, too, is people don't think, well, you know, we'll just replace Trump with DeSantis. And I like DeSantis. If he runs and he comes out as the nominee, I'm going to support him 100%. But these Romney types are going to do the same thing to DeSantis that they're doing to Trump. So let's not get fooled about it's got to be DeSantis because DeSantis will make everything right. Well, that's not the case. So what needs to be done? Well, the first thing that needs to be done is we've got to get rid of the leadership at the RNC. And that includes Rona McDaniel, the niece of Mitt Romney. And with that said, I recommend Harmeet Dillon. She's an attorney. She understands election law and she's a fighter. Now, you know what can be really helpful if you went to Google or any search engine and looked up your state's uh, Republican chair and you can find it. Just type in, you know, New Jersey Republican chair and the name and telephone number and maybe even email address. So what I suggest is call them And just say, hey, look, you want new leadership at the RNC. We're not willing to accept losing. We're not willing to accept senators undermining Republican candidates. 
and we want money going to the candidates that win the primary. Not the favorite people that are in the RNC, but the candidates that win a primary. It's not being done now. That's why we need new leadership. So again, do a Google search on your state Republican chair and give them a call. Leave a message with the secretary. Leave a message on their voicemail. Just say, hey, look, I want new leadership. And do some research on Harmeet Dillon. Make your own decision. And say, I want Harmeet Dillon if you think she's the candidate. But we need new leadership at the RNC. No more legacy Republicans. And look, some of you may be down. You may think that, okay, we didn't sweep everything, so uh, it was a loss. And it wasn't a loss. And with that said, I want to play a clip and this is from um james comer and he's going to be the uh the chair of the oversight committee come january so let me just play a clip from a press conference it was from one or two weeks ago and he's talking about what he's going to do and you're going to see a dramatic change in washington come january so let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss Whistleblowers describe President Biden as chairman of the board for these businesses. He personally participated in meetings and phone calls. Documents show that he was a partner with access to an office. To be clear, Joe Biden is the big guy. The investigation reveals a family that engaged with some of America's most powerful adversaries, planning to sell one of the largest sources of cobalt for electric vehicles in the world to the Chinese, for example. The Bidens flourished and became millionaires by simply offering access to the family. Among the dozens of shell companies the Bidens set up, there were millions of dollars of wire transfers, flights on Air Force Two to conduct personal business, and meetings with heads of state, all while Joe Biden was aware of what was happening. All the while, he turned a blind eye in the new Congress. As part of our investigation, we have evidence that the finances, credit cards, and bank accounts of Hunter and Joe Biden were commingled, if not shared. One of these deals involves the sale of American natural gas to China. Evidence suggests Joe Biden had a 10% equity stake through his son. And the president's participation in enriching his family is, in a word, abuse of the highest order. This is an investigation of Joe Biden the President of the United States, and why he lied to the American people about his knowledge and participation in his family's international business schemes. National security interests require the committee conduct investigation, and we will pursue all avenues, avenues that have long been ignored. Committee Republicans have uncovered evidence of federal crimes committed by and to the benefit of members of the President's family. These include conspiracy or defrauding the United States, wire fraud, Conspiracy to commit wire fraud, violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, violations of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, violations of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, tax evasion, money laundering, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. And all this is going to happen because you came out and voted. And remember, there were more Republicans that voted in the midterms than uh, Democrats. I think by 4 million, at least. But this doesn't happen unless you came out and vote. So all this happened in spite of the legacy Republicans working against you. 
So yesterday, the uh, House sent, uh, passed the Respect for Marriage Act, essentially where what it does, it codifies gay marriage on the federal level. And they're sending it to Biden to sign either next week or whenever. A lot of people weren't happy with it because they feel there wasn't enough protections for religions in this. And again, this is the discussion I always have with, uh, with gay people, is that, look, you may be able to live in a secular world as a married couple, but you have to understand that everybody doesn't have to accept the way you live, particularly those with certain religious beliefs. And you can't force them to accept your way. So you're going to have to tolerate religious groups not accepting your way of life. That's just the way life is. You can't force them. The Constitution protects religions from not accepting gay lifestyle. Now, there's also free speech protections, too. But uh, for this argument, I just want to talk about the religious aspect of toleration. It's as simple as that. And gay people make a mistake of trying to force religious people into, oh, yes, you have to accept me. They don't have to accept you. They can tolerate you, but they don't have to accept you. And vice versa. You don't have to accept their opinion on many things. And the mistakes that Democrats make and the gay people make is when they try to force religions to accept these kind of things, when in fact, that's what religion is all about. It's about saying, we believe in certain things. And with that said, I want to I want to bring in a couple of clips about a Supreme Court case. And this is about the actual questioning that went on during this. So in Colorado, a company called 303 Creative LLC, it developed websites and it started getting into developing websites that promoted wedding announcements. But the owner of the company did not want to create websites for non-heterosexual couples. She posted on her website and said, look, I don't want to develop any websites for people for non-heterosexual couples. I'll direct you. I'll help you find websites that would do this. But I, my religious beliefs tell me that I just don't want to promote your lifestyle. And she got sued by Colorado. And the case made it to the Supreme Court. And apparently what's going to happen is that the Supreme Court's going to say, look, people have a, a right to follow their religion and free speech. And as Justice Gorsuch has repeatedly said, you have every right to have an unpopular opinion. And this is what the Democrats want. They, they want a homogeneous thought on everyone. They want everyone to think the same. Globalists want everyone to think the same. There's no room for people that disagree with a person's lifestyle. There's no room for that. There's no room for religion. But unfortunately, we have a constitution here in the United States. But the point I'm trying to make again and again and again is that these gay organizations cannot force religion into accepting the lifestyle. As simple as that. The constitution protects it. So let me just play a couple of clips. The first one is from Gorsuch. He's he's questioning, I think, the solicitor from Colorado. And the Colorado is the one that sued. So let me just play this clip. The first one involves Gorsuch, and then we'll come back and discuss. Uh, at one point, there was a rather tense exchange between one of the justices and the uh, uh, solicitor general from Colorado, hearkening back to that other case and about the way the, uh, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission treated him. It was uh, Justice Gorsuch. Let's take a listen. Mr. Phillips did go through a re-education training program pursuant to Colorado law, did he not, Mr. Olson? 
he went through a, a process that ensured he was familiar it with- It was a re-education program, right? It was not a re-education program. What do you call it? It was a process to make sure he was familiar with Colorado law. Someone might be excused for calling that a re-education I strongly program. disagree, Justice Gorsuch. Thank you, Mr. Olson. So what Gorsuch was talking about, there was a case uh, in Colorado with, and what the uh, Civil Rights Commission did is they forced this baker to go through some kind of training. And uh, Gorsuch was uh, a little beside himself about, you know, forcing any citizen to go through any type of, of training. And Gorsuch called it, I think, a re-education program. But again, this is where Gorsuch is coming from. And it's refreshing. Okay, let's go to a clip also with Justice Barrett. Justice Barrett? But what if we say that it's a gay rights group that wants to publish gay rights announcements online all year round, not just for Gay Pride Month, because it wants to celebrate love in that community. And so it publishes only same-sex marriage announcements and turns away opposite sex. Can the gay rights organization do that? Assuming they're a public accommodation, they cannot turn away announcements based on a protective characteristic. So they couldn't turn around, turn away opposite-sex announcements. So what uh, Barrett got the uh, the Colorado solicitor to say is that under a hypothesis where a gay website that started out to promote only gay marriages would be forced to promote heterosexual marriages, which I think is counterintuitive to the uh, people that Colorado is trying to so-called protect, the gay community. So I think, uh, you know, again, I, I'm not speaking for Barrett, but uh, just my interpretation of this, she's, her point is, well, wait a second. if you're telling me that the gay community has to take all comers? And I think actually I, Barrett would argue against that too. She would probably argue that a gay website has the right to promote gay weddings just as much as a Christian website or a website owned by a Christian has every right to promote Christian weddings or non-homosexual weddings. So Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema left the Democratic Party and became independent. And I, I guess she states that oh, she wants to be more independent. She she doesn't like being locked into the um, uh, dogma of the Democratic Party and, uh, you know, this and that, this and that. But call me a little cynical, but I think she's leaving the Democratic Party because she hears rumors about her being primaried. Now, just a little refresher on cinema. She's the uh, bisexual senator that has run afoul of the Democratic Party uh, on two cases. One is that she's against the that was against the filibuster, the repeal of the filibuster, and the other thing too is that she was against uh, Biden's three point five trillion dollar mega spending package. And you know, you remember that she was the one that was chased down by Democratic operatives into the bathroom. Remember, it's not a way to treat people. So she hears she's going to get primaried by the Democratic Party. Well, a little makeup of the uh, Arizona. Arizona is 30% independent. And she again, she hears that she's going to be primaried by the Democrats. So essentially, she's doing an end around on the, uh, the Dems. She's like, hey, you want to primary me? You ain't got to primary and beat me. I'm going to become an independent. Then you're going to have to deal with me in the general election. So Democrats, go ahead. Bring your own candidate. He's going to have to run against me and a Republican in the general election. Democrats are not going to win. 
So she kind of tra- uh, trapped the uh, or boxed the Democratic Party in the corner by this move, because apparently this her being primary legit. And there's two things I want want to know right now. One is that, in spite of the fact that Cinema votes most of the time with the Democrats, I think it would help the Republicans to try to recruit her right now. I hope there's somebody. I hope Mitch McConnell is out there trying to recruit her to caucus with the Republicans instead of the Democrats. Additionally, well, this is what I want to look into. If cinema caucuses with the Democrats, it's really, uh, no, you know, not much is going to change. I don't think much is going to change in, in the Senate anyway with her. She's going to vote the way she's always voted. But if McConnell is smart, he'll, he'll try to recruit her just to bring her in. Again, she wouldn't be the perfect senator. But, you know, if you can pick one off, pick one off. So again, I want to see if she's going to caucus with the Dems. If she's going to caucus with the Dems, it's really not going to be much of a difference. So we shall see. So Vladimir Zelensky is Time Magazine's Person of the Year. And with that said, I want to go to a clip. And this is from a 1983 interview with a former CIA operative. And he discusses how he manipulated the press to meet the objectives of the CIA. And in particular, he talks about how he manipulated the press so to manipulate Congress about the Vietnam War. So let's go to this clip. Again, it's from 1983, and it's an interview of a, uh, a former CIA operative and how he influenced the media and Congress. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss Zelensky. When we, the CIA, wanted to circulate disinformation on a particular issue, disinformation is not necessarily, uh, not necessarily a lie. It may be a half-truth. And uh, we would pick out a journalist. I would go do the briefing and uh, hope that he would put the information in print. For instance, uh, if we wanted to get uh, across to the American public that the North Vietnamese were building up their force structure in South Vietnam, I would go to a journalist and advise him that in the past uh, six months, X number of North Vietnamese forces had come down the Ho Chi Minh Trail system through southern Laos. Now, there is no way a journalist can check that information. So either he goes with the information or he doesn't, and ordinarily or usually, the journalist would go with it because it, was, it looked like some kind of exclusive. And um, I would say our percentage of planning that kind of data was uh, 70 to 80 percent. Uh, go after these gentlemen. Uh, I would uh, be directed to cultivate them, to spend time with them at uh, the Caravelle Hotel, or the Continental Hotel to socialize with them and and slowly but surely to try to gain their confidence by dolloping out uh, valid information, information which was true. And then I would drop in uh, into a conversation the data that we wanted to get across which might not be true. Uh, one piece of data, for instance, uh, that we managed to plan in the New Yorker magazine had to do with uh, a supposed North Vietnamese effort in 1973 to develop airfields along the border of South Vietnam. The reason we wanted to plant this information was that we were trying to persuade the U.S. Congress that Saigon should be continued to uh, should continue to get a great deal of aid. 
if I planted a piece of information with a reporter, I would ordinarily then try to create an environment in which he could not check the information. I would go to the British ambassador and brief him on the disinformation I had just given the reporter. So when the reporter wanted to cross-check what I told him with, uh, say, the British ambassador, New Zealand ambassador, or what have you, he would get false confirmation, the same message coming back at him. He would say, aha, I've got proof that Frank Snap told me the truth, when in fact what he'd gotten was simply an echo of what uh, I'd given him in the first place via the British ambassador or other of our friendly diplomatic contacts. So, you see, there's a lot of similarities of what the CIA did during the Vietnam War and what we see going on here with Ukraine. The one thing that sticks out for me is how he manipulated and gave misinformation to the press about North Vietnam putting airstrips along the South Vietnamese border in order to get Congress to provide more aid to South Vietnam. This was all a lie. So you think things have really changed over the years? The one thing that I do think that has changed between the Vietnam War and today is that the press has become complicit with national security agencies. So today's journalist is nothing more than an order taker for the CIA, NSA, Department of Defense, Whereas if you notice that the CIA operative had to be a little more elaborate in trying to pull the wool over the eyes of the press, they don't have to do that today because the press is just complicit. We've had a merger of corporate media with big government and the national security agencies. I'm saying this because if you look at the press that's been out there about the, uh, about the Ukrainian war, it's just absolutely absurd. And I don't know how people can believe it. Let's talk about the ghost of Kiev. Remember, the ghost of Kiev was that phantom uh, Ukrainian jet pilot that shot down all these Russian jets. Fake. It was fake. How about Snake Island, when all these Ukrainians fought to the death against the Russian troops? That was fake. They gave up. And all about this misinformation that's going on about who's winning the war and how can a real reasonable person take a look at what's going on in the war in Ukraine and, and say that Ukraine's winning? And this is nothing against the Ukrainian people and those that fight. But Russia has annexed 20% of Ukraine. Russia is bombing any city that they want in Ukraine. Millions of people are without power in Ukraine. And they're trying to make us believe that Ukraine is winning? Again, I got nothing against the Ukrainian people. But Zelensky is nothing more than a tool of the CIA and the West. And this whole Time Magazine Man of the Year or Person of the Year is nothing but a ploy to prop them up. So you have to think about this when, when you think about what's going on. Again, I feel sorry for the Ukrainian people. They're the ones that are getting butchered. And as, as I've said all along, Zelensky's in a position he can't get out. There's no way out for him. He's got to fight this thing to the death or settle and then take his lumps from the Ukrainian people. Or worse, I just don't think this is going to end well for you, Zelensky. We shall see. Okay, I just want to spend a couple of minutes on the release of the Twitter files by Elon Musk. And this is a work in progress, and there's so much more to come out. But here's what we know so far. We know that Twitter and the Twitter executives interfered with the 2020 election. 
And what they'd use is they used some bogus hook that the Hunter Biden files was obtained from hacked information. And there was no evidence of that. They just created that. And even with their own policy on hacked material, they already said that, well, they'll give the press the benefit of the doubt. So what they meant by that is that if they thought maybe there was hacked material, they always deferred to the newspapers. That was their own policy, but they ignored their own policy. They just created that, okay, this is hacked material, this is our hook, and this is what we're going to run with. And and again, it resulted in them clearly interfering with the 2020 election. Now, you know, the press is going to come out, the mainstream media is coming out, oh, this is old news. Well, if it's old news, why didn't you say something about it? You were complicit in this. And then when these former CIA spooks came out with the affidavit or document that said that, oh, yes, we think it's Russian misinformation. Where was your pushback on that mainstream media? Why didn't you say, well, where's your information? Where's your evidence on this? But you ran with it, just like Twitter ran with the hack, the Hunter Biden hack. Yeah, that's what we're going to go with. That's what we're going to use. And quite frankly, I'm sure the same thing happened at uh, Facebook and Google. So this is clearly unethical behavior. And it's it's a question about whether it's actually criminal or not. But we do know that Twitter interfered with the election. Now, here's my case. Can can Trump file a civil suit? Can the Trump campaign file a civil suit against Twitter for their interference? I don't know. It's something to look into. But here's what may be criminal. What's come out of this, though, is that the FBI was meeting with Twitter, I think on a weekly basis, to discuss possible Russian interference in the election. And you had one Twitter executive sign an affidavit which said that, yeah, they met with us once a week and they they did throw out there that there was some misinformation coming from Russia around October and it likely has to do with Hunter Biden. Now, isn't that a coincidence? Now, this could be criminal. If our FBI and our intelligence agencies are interfering with our own elections, that's criminal and that's going to be looked into. Now, one thing I found interesting is that Jim Baker, the former FBI attorney, was working for Twitter. And Elon Musk just fired him. Because here's what I found out. And I'm surprised Elon Musk didn't know this sooner. What was happening, all the internal memos that Musk was asking for were being vetted through Baker first before they came to Elon Musk. And Musk found out about it and terminated Baker. And I think he didn't even know Baker was working there at the, the time. I'm not sure about that, but Baker's gone. And there was no FBI involvement at Twitter. Of course not. You had a former FBI attorney working at Twitter, but no FBI involvement. Oh, no, he was a private citizen. Yeah, they're never private citizens. They're always operatives. I'm still trying to get over how we could leave a Marine in Russia while bringing back a a weed-smoking WNBA player instead. And we swapped a WNBA player for an arms dealer, a guy named Victor Boot or Bout. And I think he had a 25-year sentence here in the United States, and I think he had about eight or nine years left on it. And we swapped this guy for some pot-smoking NBA player. And meanwhile, we have a Marine still sitting in a gulag in Russia somewhere. It doesn't seem like a good swap, but it's all about politics with the Biden administration. Now, this guy, you know... This guy, Victor Boot, he's going to have a field day. Let me tell you something. 
he got his start when, when the Soviet Union fell. There was all this massive amount of military equipment that was just sitting there. And that's how he made his millions. He took that equipment and he sold it throughout the world. Now he's going to have a field day now. He's going, you know what he's going to do? Dollars to dollars. Here's what he's, he's headed to Afghanistan. All of that equipment that the United States left, I think it was $80 billion worth of equipment that the United States left in Afghanistan, this guy Boots headed there. He's going to make millions by selling all of that. He's going to cut deals with the Taliban. And you watch, that American military equipment is going to wind up all throughout the world in all these hotspots killing innocent people. Don't be surprised. And you, you've got, you know, you've got this... Uh, spin by the United States saying, well, you know, Paul Whelan, the, the the Marine, he was never on the table. The Russians were never willing to give him up. Well, don't accept that. That's what negotiations did. Now, the other thing too, as I heard, is that this thing was negotiated via the Saudi Arabia. Now, I'm not sure if that's true, but my sources tell me it is, which is quite bizarre. But anyway, this is a bad trade. It's a cynical decision. Bring home the Marine first before the NBA player. Now we hear reports that Putin's saying, hey, yeah, this is a good idea. We should do this again. Well, of course Putin wants to do this. He took advantage of the United States with this swap. Well, let's do it again. Let's see what else I can get. So should you be surprised when Putin's out there saying, hey, yeah, I like this idea. Let's, do, let's see what we can do in the future. Let's see what else I can cheat you out of. Okay, let's take a quick look at stocks. And this is from CNBC. It says here, stocks finished lower Friday with all major averages posting losses for the week as worries persist over continued rate hikes. The Dow Jones Industrial Average shed 305.02 points or 0.9% to close at 33,476.46. The S&P 500 tumbled 0.73% to end at 3,934.38, while the NASDAQ composite fell 0.7% to finish at 11,004.62. On a weekly basis, the Dow fell 2.77% to post its worst week since September. The S&P tumbled 3.37%, while the NASDAQ dropped 3.99%. On a year-to-date basis, the Dow is down 7.88%, the S&P is down 17.45%, and NASDAQ is down 29.66%. Let's take a quick look at next week's calendar. Uh, on Tuesday, we have CPI coming in. On Wednesday, we have the Fed funds rate announcement, and we're looking at it, probably a 50 basis point increase. And on Thursday, we have retail sales. And with that said, I want to thank you for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday.